0: I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland and every month I share a story. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever, share a story about lumberjacks. This time, I'm recording on the anniversary date of the day I came up with the show. In honor of that, for real, it's the post-apocalyptic office story. Alright, let's get to work. Alone in HQ. Employee number 312566 walks through the wild buffalo grass covering the Globotech lobby. High above him, dusty banners a full story tall hang from the ceiling. Globotech, shifting your paradigm. Globotech, tomorrow, today. Globotech, global technology. And his favorite of all, Globotech. One and all, indivisible forever. On the walls, oversized monitors that once welcomed visiting clients and informed employees of upcoming company town hall meetings have long gone dark. An array of clocks showing times in Globotech offices around the world stopped working a dozen years ago. The Zen Waterfall fountain near the wall of windows is so dry that it no longer supports the algae once growing on it. Were it not for employee number Three One Two Five Six Six filling the fountain's basin with water from a nearby creek, the frogs and turtles calling it home would be dried up as well, or at least left to fend for themselves outside in the elements. A deer near the security desk raises its head at number 312566's approach and runs down the hall toward the cafeteria. As it passes, birds scatter from exposed ductwork in the ceiling and fly outside through broken windows. It used to not be like this. To know employee number 312566, one only needed to look at his annual performance reviews. Every year he was the one his manager deemed as exceeding expectations. He was the one who could be counted on to work during weekends and holidays while others slacked off and dared have lives outside of work. Working overtime was a fair trade off for health care and other benefits that seemed to dwindle a bit more each year. But that didn't matter when employee number 312566's 401k grew and the value of his small house increased over time. He'd seen the United States and some other parts of the world on the company's dime, even though it was mostly airport to job site, to hotel, to restaurant, and back to hotel. That routine repeated all week until flying home on Friday with a bit of time to rest before getting back to work on Saturday at home. It never bothered employee number three one two five six six that management told their subordinates to tighten the purse strings while they took meetings in other countries just to keep platinum travel statuses. When meets and fails to meet expectations co-workers said it was crooked, he argued their leaders worked hard and deserved it. Give to the corporation and it would provide in turn. If they needed him to sweep streets around headquarters, he would have gladly done so. And then one day, everything changed. It took 19 years for the technological collapse promised by many at the stroke of midnight in the year 2000 to become real. With the push of a big button, two childish world leaders started a war which led to other countries jumping in so they wouldn't feel left out. New weapons were revealed. Power grids went down and never came back. Doomsday preppers finally had the I told you so moment they'd built lives around. Everything crashed. Finally, all those people who swore they'd get off Facebook in the new year actually did. Just not by choice. And through it all, out of some sick habit, many returned to work like zombies returning to the places they once knew when they were alive. Only now, instead of zombies, it was middle managers who had no idea what to do with themselves once connectivity and work went away. The old ones were long terminated in a bid to save on salaries and not fulfill pension payments. No one was left who remembered the times before email when things were managed on paper. So they returned to their desks and clicked and clacked on keyboards, hoping dark screens would light up bright again and return to them a reason to exist. When the world stayed dark, tempers flared, and many went mad. Employee number three one two five six six heard the CEO of Globotech used a cow femur to smash the head of the CTO he blamed for all the company's stumblings at the close of Q4, shortly before the power grid went out. Gone were the days of quick hallway meetings with promises to catch up over drinks when projects were done. Gone was the social hierarchy based upon which floor one worked on. Gone was email, sweet email, answered from bed on smartphones late into the night. The last thing employee number three one two five six six did with his smartphone was throwing it at a rabbit he ate for dinner one night. It was the first thing he ever killed, and he cried as he cooked it whole, the smell of burning fur filling the grill top where he piled sticks to build a fire in the cafeteria. The stench permeated the entire first floor, so he spent the night up top in the CEO's office looking out over the dark town. The only lights in the distance came from dim campfires and custom fire pits that let him know people were still out there. Small bands of people that had taken up residency in easier-to-defend McMansions rising above the trees. Employee number three one two five six six initially wondered if taking up residency in Globotech headquarters was wise. It stood to reason, he thought, that others would come back, or worse, attack. But the building was haunted by something far worse than ghosts. The memories of what used to be. In the beginning, the solitude was overwhelming. Employee number 312566 considered joining the others on the outskirts, if only to hear cherished words uttered by collective voices synergistic, bandwidth. In his tingle inducing favorite, impactfulness. But there's a certain sadness in people left unmoored without a greater sense of purpose. Would seeing the influencers and thought leaders he once respected tending to their own waste and other lowly tasks steal from his mind the golden image of him that he'd built up inside? Would seeing them out of their element, lost like children unable to survive on their own, make him wonder if they were ever great leaders at all? It was better to go on alone, he thought, honoring those he once revered by keeping their tenuous authority alive in fabricated memories. To be in such a large empty space, though, left him feeling panicked at the start. Hearing eight floors of office space settle in the quiet of night stirred employee number 312566's imagination. Was that the sound of footsteps coming from the main stairway by the security desk, or simply the knocking of a pipe no longer in use? A face peering through the window in the dark, or his own visage reflected back against the glass? Fear could not be allowed to prevail. Employee number three one two five six six was determined to be the building's keeper. Remembering a passage from a book he liked when he was younger, He wrote it down and carried it with him in his pocket, a tactile reminder to Fear nothing of the forest. There is no danger in solitude. That thought eventually came with a sense of peace and purpose. Soon he established a new routine based on days long gone. Besides, he was never truly alone. There were others out there, some maybe even working to bring back all that was lost. He'd do his thing while they did theirs. In a strange way, it was why he liked working in HQ. It was possible to feel completely alone among 8,000 people lost in their own tiny orbits. As long as there are campfires on the horizon at night, there is hope. Employee number three one two five six six pauses at the security desk and says, Good morning, Steve, even though he's alone in HQ. It's important to him to keep up the old routine, coming in just a little before 7 in the morning, saying hello to Steve at the security desk, and then getting to work. When Globotech was a thriving, humming thing, most employees passing the front desk were already too busy answering email on their phones or thought they were better than Steve in his lowly job that they never acknowledged his existence. But employee number 312 always said, Good morning, Steve, at the beginning of his workday, and have a good evening, Sharon, at its end. He was a people person, after all. Today he walks down the main hallway from the lobby, paved with cobblestones that once echoed the sounds of catering carts servicing lunchtime meetings, and eventually stops at the old Starbucks counter near the cafeteria. He drags a chair over to the chalkboard menu above the counter and erases the previous day's inspirational quote. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Muhammad Ali With a piece of blue chalk, he writes a new message in one of the many stylish scripts he's practiced since things went dark. The secret of your success is determined by your daily agenda. John C. Maxwell Employee number 312-566's workday begins on another chalkboard next to Starbucks that he pulled out of a conference room. A whiteboard would be preferable, but most of the dry erase markers in the building were already drying out when the lights were on and the building was full. Now their color is gone, and their tips are like stone. On the chalkboard is a painstaking recreation of an Excel spreadsheet drawn by employee number three one two five six six to remind himself of better times. He misses the sanctuary of Microsoft Excel. Life should be like that, he thinks. Plug a part of it into a cell and let a formula make everything secure. Be the person who creates the formula that makes everything work and achieve demigod status among your peers in a manner not even reserved for the person who can make Microsoft Word stop auto-formatting text. In employee number 312566's chalkboard spreadsheet, nothing entered in cells populates to other places. But there's always that millisecond when he writes something down and expects magic to occur before his eyes. He craves the days of mapped processes and tools that mostly worked. Today, the chalkboard is little more than a way to present a to-do list in a comfortable format. Perfect rows and columns waiting for information to give them meaning in much the same way they once gave meaning to so many lives. A typical day in the life of employee number 312566. At 5:30 a.m., he's awakened by an internal alarm clock that's yet to fail him in his 43 years. Rising from several stacked yoga mats serving as his bed in the corporate gym, he heads to the locker room to relieve himself in one of the few gravity-fed toilets in the building. A water collection system pulling from a spring-fed creek, keeps him not only alive, but affords him several creature comforts. When his morning workout is complete and logged, a makeshift shower bag washes away sweat and any remnants of the day before. Breakfast is usually the prairie salad in the cafeteria. A mixture of nearby edible plants and pecans, employee number 312566 mixes up in the evenings. When the great outage occurred and most people raided grocery stores for a temporary sustenance fix, employee number 312566 raided the library near Globotech headquarters for a crash course in bushcraft and urban survival tactics. He will never run out of the fresh greens, nuts, mushrooms, and small animals that keep him alive. He tells himself that one day soon he'll begin making artisanal sourdough bread instead of basic hardtack, but even during the apocalypse there are well-intended tasks left undone in the rush of daily demands. Or maybe it's just the way most human beings are wired giving up bigger dreams for smaller tasks and the quick dopamine hit that comes with them. After breakfast, employee number three one two five six six packs his computer bag and heads to work. He picks up trash on his commute from the back of HQ to the front. Over a full decade after the Great Disconnect, and plastic bags and the lids of fast food drinks are still deposited against the side of the building by the wind. He misses his old commute, with time to think about the work waiting for him each day, or queuing up podcasts when he knew traffic would be particularly heavy. What happens to a podcaster during the apocalypse, he wonders, when there are no more get-rich schemes to be shared, movies or television shows to review, or true crime to talk about? No more self-important hot takes on popular culture, long-winded interviews to schedule, or dude bros who think they're actually funny. Employee number 312566 likes to imagine the guy with that lumberjack show found a solar charger and still writes and records his stories. Maybe with 12 years and little else to do, if the power ever comes back, he'll have enough of a backlog to finally release his show again on a regular schedule. Entering the lobby, employee number three one two five six six looks up at the banners hanging from the ceiling. He whispers, One and all, indivisible forever, with a sense of pride, and then checks on the frogs and turtles in the old fountain. While it's dawned on him that in the fountain he has a replenishing food source without the danger of forays into the woods, there's something comforting about keeping other creatures alive in HQ. Besides, the croaking of the fountain frogs has become its own kind of white noise at night, something dependable to drown out the echoing creaks of such a large building. Old habits mustn't fade. Employee number 312566 says, "Good morning, Steve," as he passes the empty security desk on his way to the Starbucks counter to change the inspirational quote of the day on his chalkboard never one to establish a coffee habit of his own, after all, the excitement of work should be all one needs to fuel their morning, he misses the smell of the drink. To the point that early on, employee number 312 brewed a pot each day for effect. Even now, long after running through the coffee stocks on all floors, he is still surprised headquarters wasn't rated for coffee over other supplies. How many people died in the months and years after the great disconnect fighting over the cherished bean, he's wondered. Somewhere, someone must have been bludgeoned to death by a stout coffee mug reading, I AM NOT A MORNING PERSON. The rest of the morning is spent on the third floor in his cubicle where he types away on a long dead laptop. The sound of typing is soothing. The memory of hotkey commands in proprietary software must never be forgotten. There are reports to read and papers to organize. And when they're all in order, it's not uncommon for employee number three one two five six six to throw an entire filing box worth of papers from the atrium to the lobby floor, only to retrieve them and sort them all over again. In empty conference rooms, there are imaginary meetings in which he plays all the roles. Even though the phones haven't worked for 12 years, before meetings start, he repeatedly says, Can everybody mute their lines, please? I'm getting a lot of noise on the call. It always bothered him to hear typing during meetings. People clearly not 100% devoted to listening to what leaders better than them had to say. He remembers when it wasn't uncommon to hear someone's dog barking in the background, another reason he believed everyone should be in headquarters and not allowed to work from home. Once, an at-home employee didn't know her phone wasn't muted, and the entire business unit heard her child approach and say, Mommy, I make poopy. At lunch, he eats a handful of squirrel pemmican and hardtack at his desk. A reminder of busier days when there was no time to disconnect for even 30 minutes, let alone an hour. Coworkers taking hour-long lunch breaks clearly weren't serious about their work, laughing and carrying on with others in the cafeteria, or worse, leaving headquarter grounds for nearby restaurants to get away for a bit. Nothing said I'm dedicated to my work like eating microwave tuna at one's desk. A malodorous message that you, unlike all those slackers rushing off to restaurants, believe in the work you do enough to do it even through your lunch hour. At least now, the sound of those never taught to chew with their mouths closed, smacking like feral animals at a carcass on a nature show, is a distant memory. The rest of employee number 312-566's afternoon is spent in heads-down mode at his desk, clacking away at his keyboard, organizing papers, and writing reports no one will ever read. It's as if he downloaded the contents of his laptop into his mind, and these daily exercises are a way to be prepared better than anyone else, should things ever come back. He can see his computer desktop and the way his personal drives and network drives were all laid out. With a thought, he could track any file he ever worked on, Watching folders cascade as memories, he refuses to let go. So when he pretends the director of his business unit stops by his desk and says, I need the monthly TSR report as soon as you can generate it, he grabs piles of paper and recreates them by hand from memory. At the end of his workday, he heads downstairs, being sure to say, Have a good evening, Sharon, as he passes the security desk on his way out. But his daily work is not done. In fact, now the work of survival begins. On his way to the back doors of HQ, employee number three one two five six six checks his snare traps for squirrels, rabbits, or anything else unfortunate enough to have taken the bait. He'll never get completely used to dispatching and preparing food, but it no longer bothers him like it once did. Most evenings, he prepares dinner in a makeshift grill beneath an overhang out back. After that, it's tending to food stores, collecting water, and cleaning waste. Never a complete germaphobe, he was still a big fan of hand sanitizer and doing all he could to never get sick. Today, cleanliness is his god. Nights are still the hardest. Before the Great Disconnect, the urge to fill time alone with deeper thoughts or regrets could always be drowned out by booting up a laptop and working some more, or answering email on his phone while paying half-attention to a Netflix binge going on in the background. Now he turns to books, like the times before work became an around-the-clock thing and people read more. To keep his mind busy, he's trying to remember the smallest book in his collection so he can recite it entirely verbatim all the way through. It's a story about a street sweeper who brings light to the masses and ends up chastised for thinking outside the box. He sees himself in the character, a curious individual with good ideas that were often shoved down by authority. He can recite the book up to the last chapter. Tonight, he has a simple goal. Remember the opening lines to part 12. It was when I read the first of the books I found in my house that I saw the word I. And when I understood this word, the book fell from my hands and I wept. I, who had never known tears. I wept in deliverance and in pity for all mankind. Over and over, he repeats the lines like a mantra. Until falling into the darkness of sleep to the sound of frogs and crickets. And so it goes, until one day. Employee number 312566 is startled awake when the building creaks like a waking god. Lights flicker and printers groan. Air rushes through the building as the Old God takes its first breath in more than a decade. The smell of the HVAC system is atrocious. Stagnant mildew and the scent of animals in various states of decay in the ducts. The long hallway leading to the lobby looks like the set of an old horror movie, with dark sections of dead light illuminated by flickering fluorescence and the red glow of exit signs. Employee number 312 rummages through his gear on the far side of the gym. His eyes widen His old habits never fully gone return. He plugs his laptop into the outlet. Lifting the screen and pressing the on button brings his system to life. It's like a vital organ has returned to his body making everything right once more. His heart races as the sound of Windows 7 booting up fills the gym. The reflex is still there. Before employee number 312566 can think, he types his password and presses enter. His breathing becomes audible as he clicks the Outlook icon in his system tray. The program comes to life. He begins the reawakening at inbox zero. Two days later, employee number three one two five six six hears it in the distance. Once such a common thing, now just a memory. He can't tell how close it is as he charges through the buffalo grass on his way out of the Globotech lobby. He fears he's too late as he rushes up a nearby hill for a better look, but the old sounds always did have a way of silencing the natural world, burying the beauty beneath its din. He waits for several minutes, the distant hum growing louder, until its source finally comes into view. A glint of sunlight on the windshield, and then the Doppler effect of the first car to pass by on the highway in twelve years. He waits for others, but no more pass by. Still, if there is one, more are out there. It's now just a matter of time. When employee number 312566 returns to HQ, he's overcome with shame. Soon others will arrive, only to see the lobby overrun by grass and frogs. Carpets near broken windows reek of mildew. A cafeteria sure to fail a health department inspection. That night, he climbs the stairs to the eighth floor and sits at the CEO's desk. Campfires in the distance have given way to a smattering of electric lights as McMansions glow once again. He catches movement on the highway. Headlights. Even eight stories up and ensconced in the CEO's glass lookout, it is the loudest sound in his world. What will it be like when they all return? Employee number 312 leans back in the big leather office chair and closes his eyes, imagining being the one in charge. His heart races when the building shifts and it sounds like somebody entered the office. He opens his eyes, almost expecting to see the CEO standing in the dark, wielding a cow femur, ready to commit his last barbaric act before the Great Reconnect. We mustn't think like that, he mutters. He makes his way downstairs in the dark. No need to light up HQ until it's in proper shape. So much work ahead of him, but not much time to do it. Anxiety settles in, and... it feels good. Something needs to be done in a hurry, just like the days used to be when managers commanded the lives of thousands of underlings, Giving their lives a sense of meaning and purpose measured in stress. Employee number three one two five six six looks down the long hallway toward the gym. He decides he will not sleep there tonight. He considers working through till morning, but the day's excitement has given him much to think about. Soon there will be no time to think. Soon the race of days will return and everything will somehow get done in the chaos of it all. Maybe not done well, but that's what the marketing department is for. He climbs the winding lobby stairs against three stories of windows. It's like climbing into the sky. At the top, on the landing overlooking the lobby... He's face to face with the Globotech, one and all, Indivisible Forever banner. It shines so brightly in the moonlight, he would not be surprised if it gave off heat. He sits down above it all and recites the final chapter to the book he's worked so hard to recite from memory. It was when I read the first of the books I found in my house that I saw the word I. Now I look ahead. My future is clear before me. The saint of the pyre had seen the future when he chose me as his heir, as the heir to all the saints and all the martyrs who came before him and who died for the same cause, for the same word, no matter what name they gave to their cause. and their These return. are the last things before me. And as I stand here at the door of glory, I look behind me for the last Men time. Men accepted that worship. The structure of centuries collapsed about them. The structure whose every beam had come from the thought of some one man, each in his day down the ages. Theirs is the banner in my hand, and I wish I had the power to tell them that the despair in their hearts was not to be final, and their night was not without hope. As employee number 312566 nears the end of the final chapter, he looks at the banner glowing before him, burning like a messenger. He knows what he must do. He stands tall and proud and recites his own ending. And here, over the entry to our lobby, I will carve in the wall the word that is to be our pulse and breath. A word that will not die even if the last vestiges of the system crash and we are no more. The word that cannot die in this building, for it is the heart of it and the meaning and the glory. The Sacred Word, Overtime. A big thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks. All music by Ergo Fizmis and Kai Engel. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice talent, and music. In a month, I'm bringing you the weirdest father and son story I may ever write. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.